Are you ready? Ready. Last off. This is the PowerShell Podcast. PowerShell Podcast. Primarily promoting the preeminently powerful people in PowerShell. And now, here's your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plaw. Hey everybody, welcome back to the PowerShell Podcast. I'm host Jordan Hammond with the co-host Andrew Plaw, joined by special guest Adam Driscoll, who founded Iron Man Software. That's me. Hey guys. So uh, is Iron Man Software something where you, you set out to form a company, or is it just you had so much fantastic stuff out in your Git? You're like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna repackage and sell this. Uh, yeah, I think it. Kind of both. I, I started out with uh, open source stuff. I, I made the PowerShell pro, or PowerShell tools for Visual Studio, so um, that was just free open source. I actually had Microsoft help me with it at some point in time. They had some interns, um, and then eventually uh, I decided that I was going to put some like pro features in there. So um, the first thing I put in was a Windows form designer and. Uh, started selling it as PowerShell Pro Tools, and that's when I started my company. So it just kind of has snowballed from there. Now, we've had a lot of people with like sysadmin backgrounds on, and I'm curious what your background is, like prior to kind of moving into the PowerShell world, what were you working on? Sure. Um, I am trained as a software developer, so I went to school to be a software developer. Um, and I kind of got my start with computers, like building websites and that kind of thing. And then eventually I got into business software. Uh, I was working with email and building, um, you know, web server kind of software, business software. Uh, and then eventually I actually started working um, on a product that was developing PowerShell commandlets. So that's how I got into PowerShell is I wasn't even using PowerShell, but I was making PowerShell commandlets. It was like a bad way to get started. So I made some really bad PowerShell commandlets. And uh, yeah, from there I just started really getting into the PowerShell space. And I would say I'm still not a system administrator. I still probably don't um, use PowerShell as much as some you know people do day to day, but I use it a lot more than I did back then. So that's really cool. Um, yeah. It's really been awesome. I, the community is very beneficial to have people with that kind of background. You know, like you've brought that perspective that you have. You've definitely brought with you, and I think some of the products that you have and the things you've created really reflect that. Um, and I'd like to hear about your universal product. Sure. Yeah, so that actually started as um, universal dashboard. It was just a PowerShell module. And I was actually, I don't know, I remember like vividly being in my basement or my computer was at the time and like, oh man, we could build websites with PowerShell. And uh, it started out as just like a dashboarding thing where you could have like charts and tables and that kind of thing. Um, and that again was one of those things where people took it up as like, they really liked it, and I just kept adding features to it. Uh, eventually, it became, you know, REST APIs, and um, it had a REST, or I mean, a React front end on it. So it was like super interactive. You can make forms and all this kind of stuff. Um, and eventually, uh, we kind of outgrew just being a, a module. So um, I actually now have. PowerShell Universal, which contains PowerShell Universal Dashboard, you can still build like really crazy um, user interfaces with PowerShell. But there's actually, you know, an ASP.NET um, application. Um, we have a admin console now where you can kind of click around. Not everything is um, uh, necessarily have to, you don't have to write everything in PowerShell, but uh, you can use the admin console and it actually will generate PowerShell scripts for you um, that manage the configuration of it. And it does things like REST APIs and UIs and job scheduling and um, in-browser terminals, that kind of stuff. So it's just like, again, growing with every release. So yeah. Wow. So let me kind of break that down because that's a lot. That's really cool. And you say it kind of started off as Universal Dashboard, which was mm -hmm. Dashboard. And it allowed you to use React to make wild, awesome front ends. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I remember at the time seeing it, I was like, yo, this is like the coolest looking graphic form type stuff, you know, because it's kind of modern and and with your perspective and experience, and you mentioned web design back in the day too, mm -hmm. you're able to provide that to us. And at the time, I was creating dashboards with just simple PowerShell, just running some lines, generating this beautiful interactive thing to show forms. I felt like a freaking ninja. Like I felt like a superhero <laughs> in my org, man. Um it's such a fun product. Uh, it's been really fun to watch it develop over the years too. 
Cool. Yeah. Thank you. And I think a lot of people really, really liked that. It was like so simple to just kind of get up and start. You could run a line of PowerShell code and have a website that was interactive right there like that. So, um, yeah, so it's cool. And it's, you know, one thing I really liked about it was there's just this community around it because people are building tools just like with PowerShell. And we had these like super active forums, which we still have, which uh, people are always showing off, you know, what they're building, asking questions, helping each other and that kind of thing. So that, that is what has really kept me, you know, uh, interested in this is that uh, we have a bunch of really cool users, you know, and they're building cool stuff. And every time I jump on a call with someone, I'm like, holy crap, that's like the most complex thing I've ever seen built in this, you know? So uh, it's pretty awesome. Uh, undocumented features, I believe, is what that is, is when they use it in unexpected ways. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's like, I don't know. It's one of those things where I always think about, like, you can do anything in PowerShell Universal. That's how, uh, the best part about it and the worst part about it, you know? So, um, um, yeah. A person who spoke at my user group recently, the Gainesville PowerShell user group, what's up, what's up? Chris Masters is a huge user of your product and has developed all kinds of stuff at his org. And, um Cool. A lot of people from his work attend our user group, and he's really spoken at length about some of the stuff he's done um, with Universal. Sweet, that's awesome. Yeah, I uh, last, I mean, the last two conferences, PowerShell Conf EU and the PowerShell Summit, were, were you know first conferences I've been to since um, we released PowerShell Universal. So it, it was so crazy to like have all these people coming up to me like, Oh, I did, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. This is my username on the forums. It's like, Oh, okay. I know you. <laughs> so, it's, it's wild to be back in person. So wondering, cause I built a, a script that I, I was doing wind forms where I had to build the, the base page for it. And then all the text boxes and then everything there, I could input data. Mm -hmm. And the, the block of text that becomes is unwieldy and hard to read. Are you saying you, you have that, where we trim it down to simpler, or is it different than WimForms? Is it web page specific? Um, I'd say it's it's not quite WimForms. Like with WimForms, you're like there's a lot of class stuff, so it, it gets really messy really quick, and it becomes this like big block of text, right? I'd say there's like a couple different ways you can use PowerShell Universal to like generate UIs. You can automatically generate them based on like param blocks, or we have like a drag and drop designer thing. Or you can do that where you have like, all right, I want these 10 text boxes with these names and these labels. And I think it's kind of funny because we like tried to make it like simpler to use, but we have a lot of people that still just like stick to the universal dashboard stuff because they want to make it theirs, you know, and like customize the style out of it, theme it, put all kinds of images on it, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I have a tendency to see more people using the, the dashboard stuff where you are like creating the individual text boxes and that kind of thing. So. I think it's really cool um, and it helps kind of validate the language to have someone who's developing PowerShell tools successfully, you know, mm -hmm. consistently. Um, and one thing I've really noticed about you is how fast it seems you develop features and add new things. And um, how has that been for you? Like over time, have you gotten better and gotten faster? Like how do you do it? Because I struggle to get <laughs> small things done to my projects. Uh huh. Um... I'm a little obsessed, I think is the first thing. Uh, and, you know, when I started out, I was not very careful, which is also <laughs> a problem. You can get a lot of stuff done poorly quickly. Um, but that is where I think I've started to evolve the most is um, I used to just do releases really, really frequently. As soon as something cool came out, I wanted to like show it with the world and that kind of thing. And that always ran into lots of problems. But as you know, I've matured as like a developer and that kind of thing. I um, kind of slowed that down to a, a monthly cadence and it kind of allows you to take your time. So I try to have releases once per month, um, plan them out so that I only have so much work in there. And um, the other big thing is automated testing. So uh, that helps to catch a lot of changes that would break something. Um, so I still think, you know, there's always uh, improvement that could be done there to make it more stable and make upgrades go smoother and that kind of thing. But um, that is the thing that has really accelerated me is the ability to confidently make changes because I have lots of tests in place and just adding tests as I'm um, building it out. And uh, yeah, so I have like integration tests that run pester tests. So just a bunch of PowerShell tests that 
more or less use the PowerShell Universal REST API to like create things and edit things via the API. And then um, some unit tests that do like really specific functionality, like, you know, am I formatting this file correctly? And am I generating this data correctly? That kind of thing. And then another layer of um, UI tests that test the dashboards and test the admin console. Um, and I've been playing with this, and you've probably heard of Selenium, which is like a big, um, web automation framework. I actually have a Selenium web module that I created when I created a universal dashboard, but I've been actually using Playwright, which is Microsoft's new um, web testing suite. And it, it's awesome. I, I love it. Um, so it really, really has quickly been able to add a lot of um, service area testing for the UI and that kind of thing. So. And um, when you say that, what does that kind of actually mean? Is it like kind of a, a, a method of like going in and clicking things and making sure that they would send the appropriate responses and send whatever web requests or? Yep, exactly. So uh, with the UI testing, what it actually does is it spins up a headless browser in the background. Um, and then, yeah, it just takes the actions that you are recording. So it has a recorder. You can click around in the website. It'll generate a bunch of test code. You might have to tweak it a little bit once you put it in your test. And then it runs like any other unit test. So um, I can use the .NET test command line um, to just run those tests. And what's really cool about Playwright is it automatically bootstraps the browsers and stuff. So on my integration test machines, it'll just download the, the, the browser automatically and get it configured and get it running. So there's like nothing that you need to really do there. Um, yeah, and then it's just effectively like, you know, the first test I did was like, all right, does every page show up, <laughs> you know? And it's funny how like the simple test like that is like, you know, it's a canary, uh, canary in the coal mine kind of thing because all of a sudden, you know, you've got these like really simple tests failing. You could go look at that page and be like, "Oh wow, I, you know, some JavaScript broke here, and this page isn't displaying." So, yeah, it's pretty cool. The the Selenium one that you had was was actually talked about with Andrew before you hopped online because it was uh, so those looking for. I used to do QA testing mm -hmm. at, at ADQ over here, and we we're just starting to look into Selenium before I transitioned out, but. Had there been a PowerShell module, I would have been a lot less nervous about uh, yeah. picking up the work. Yeah, the Selenium module is pretty cool, actually. I mean, I, I kind of handed it off to some other people, and um, I remember who did it. Uh, someone rewrote the whole thing, pretty much. But uh, yeah, there was a, it was just a, a wrapper around a bunch of the, um, the actual C-sharp libraries for Selenium. It's a bunch of PowerShell commandlets. I've considered doing that for Playwright, but the only problem with Playwright is everything's asynchronous, and it, that wouldn't really play very well with PowerShell. So I have to think about how to how to produce that successfully. So. I was going to say, before we move on too far from Universal, um, we covered a lot of functionality. I find it useful to kind of think of what are some ways, some common use cases that people would be like, oh, this is a great fit. Now you mentioned some API stuff, um, mm -hmm. some forms, like what type of, what are people doing with these dashboards typically um, where you're seeing a lot of success? Uh, it, it kind of falls in the like administrators building tools for their departments space. So you have a bunch of guys that are pretty good with PowerShell or maybe not even a bunch. There's a couple guys that are really good with PowerShell that typically maybe handing off like tools to either like tier one support guys, or even um, we have customers that are providing it to their just employees, you know, like non tech people at all and all kinds of things from, you know, uh, requesting new virtual machines, onboarding users, like anything that you can kind of think of that you've handed off to someone like, okay, this script is a bunch of stuff. You enter a couple things in here um, and it does this. Um, but now we're starting to see, I think, with the platform evolving more, um, we're starting to see more um, actual just like business level tools um, for like HR or ticketing systems. You know, you, you might enter a ticket into PowerShell Universal and it does three things. You know, it creates a ticket in ServiceNow and starts a job that, you know, runs a report or something, you know, like that kind of thing, where it's just like this little gluey um, tool on top of all these infrastructure tools. The other thing that I'm starting to see more and more people do is replacing um, tools. Like they might have a legacy. There was like some certificate management um, tool that someone was using. They were paying like $10,000 a year to re-up the license on that. And they just replaced it with like the PKI, PKI module and PowerShell Universal on top. So 
same functionality, just, you know, saved a whole bunch of money. I always think about the, the craziest example that I saw with, this was actually a universal dashboard, but you could achieve the same thing with PowerShell Universal today was a trucking company where they had their trucks sending HTTP requests up to PowerShell Universal. Um, and that was storing their location information and like a timestamp uh, into the database. And then they actually had a dashboard that had a map with all their trucks on it. And then they were overlaying the route the truck was going to take to go to the place and how far behind that truck was and all that kind of thing. So it was crazy. <laughs> all done in PowerShell. Yeah. That sounds uh, pretty, pretty valuable. Like anymore, like with larger trucking things, it's like a whole... So it's like the the flight coordinators where there's just so much going on. I bet that's pretty handy. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, because we had specifically built some mapping controls just for them because of like how complex like their map was. It was pretty cool. But yeah, it's still there. They're the only person I know that has ever used that map that extensively. <laughs> well, now I want to top it. Yeah, I don't know when I'm going to get a, get a ma map yet, but you it's going to be glorious. Flightradar.com. <laughs> was that flight aware? Yeah. So as far as we're, we're talking about how to, you're contributing in the last year, 3,100, almost 3,200 contributions. 3,200 contributions in terms of what? In, 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 in to get period, just, uh, oh, yeah, I'm a busy GitHub. guy in GitHub. Yeah. And GitHub. Yeah. So I'm, Looking at that, but I do see one window where you didn't contribute three days in a row, and I'm, oh, I'm very, wow. dis very disappointed. Slacking. <laughs> I mean, there was probably some point in time where I was not by a computer. <laughs> 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 yeah, we live out in Idaho, so occasionally we'll go hiking for like you know an extended period of time, and my wife doesn't allow me to bring the computer with then, obviously. <laughs> So. I, I suppose that makes sense. Yeah, I know. I'll give her that one. I like so, to, or I find myself frequently bringing up the PowerShell golden promise or the sacred promise of PowerShell, which is, you know, learn PowerShell and the PowerShell team will do what they can to make the best decision you've ever made. And I feel like your, what you have really delivers on that. You know, you're talking about people who know PowerShell and their organizations developing solutions for other departments. So mm -hmm. taking this, thing that people think of just like as a sysadmin language and using it to really create actual solutions inside their organization um, for consumption by other people, you know, enterprise level stuff. That's really cool. And it's built upon those same PowerShell skills that you may be using today to do whatever other things. Yep, totally. And we try to let, like, leverage a lot of the same concepts around PowerShell in it. So it's like very familiar. You can still use modules. Everything's code-based for the configuration. So that means you can like check things into Git. You can do like pull requests against your configuration for PowerShell Universal, that kind of thing. So if you're kind of familiar with the, you know, DevOps landscape, it should feel feel pretty good. So yeah, you could do automated testing on your dashboards in mm -hmm. your uh yeah. in your process. That's kind of like what you're doing, but you know, for whatever solution you end up building in your environment, you can really validate that it meets whatever tests and requirements that you have and can be be assured in that. It's not just some off the shelf, like, oh, this is my .ps1, save it. It's actually a really supportable solution you can really provide to the higher ups in an organization. And it kind of makes sense. It's not like a risky, you know, one sysadmin just going off rogue and developing a solution. It's really a sustainable thing. Very mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're trying to like focus a little more on that like enterprise scalability and sustainability, I guess, in that, you know, we just added SQL Server support so that you can kind of now do high availability, um, put a load balancer in front of them, that kind of thing. If one goes down, you still got one up. Um, centralized data storage, all that. So it's our it's our focus because I think there was some when we first came out with this, there was there were some larger customers that were just not willing to like you know, jump on board and build an entire solution and that's critical to their infrastructure without some of that stuff. So I think now that we've kind of added that, it's becoming a lot more appealing to like convince your manager or whatever to like use this in your environment. So so you, you mentioned early on that you were involved in the PowerShell tools for VS Code? No, uh, Visual Studio, not VS Code. Did you, yeah, I'm sorry, Visual Studio. Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, we that originally started as Power GUI VSX. I don't know if you remember Power GUI back in the Quest days. 
Um, <laughs> it was like one of the first really popular editors. And I actually took Power GUI and I shoved it into Visual Studio because I was like so surprised that like there was no PowerShell support in Microsoft Visual Studio, you know, it was so weird. And <laughs> I'll never forget that. I like literally like took the window form that was Power GUI and just put it inside Visual Studio. And uh, I got on like Microsoft blogs and stuff like that. And Quest was all excited. And I was like, wow, that was like a really big hack. <laughs> <laughs> um, but eventually I, I built an, an actual extension without Power GUI um, that does the you know, syntax highlighting and uh, debugging and all that kind of stuff. So that's where my editor thing came from for my uh, editor talk at uh, PS Summit. So. I, I attended that one, and I, and I learned uh, a couple valuable things. Uh, the first one is uh, there's a lot more C sharp in that than I expected, and it, it is it is different than PowerShell. You know, <laughs> and yeah, and Building. and the second th second thing I learned, and this was a eye opening experience for me, is uh, maybe be careful where I complain because I know you sometimes you get into script editors and it doesn't do something you want and. He's like, oh, this is the, why would I ever use this? And then I saw the work you did to come up with just like a bare bones live in the thing, like everything went into that. Uh -huh. And and I learned I, I should shut my mouth if I'm not doing my own thing. <laughs> just, to, <laughs> just to appreciate what, what's been done. Yeah, and I think that is where Microsoft is like trying to push the PowerShell editor services because it is really hard to get that right. Um, and then I don't know. I've tried to use editor services a couple times. And it's it's just, it's like another thing to learn. I know how to do it the one way, um, the hard way, but uh, yeah, building an editor is tough. I like, I don't know. I just kept doing it. Like I built so many different editors and now I'm like, I'm never building an editor again. <laughs> and then you did it for fun just to prove you could live. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the one I think. Were you the one that almost didn't make it? Cause your plane hit a bird. Yep. My plane hit a bird. I don't know if I would have got back on the plane. I think yeah. we're still making it, but my it goodness. Little, I didn't really know what was happening until we were on the ground. So there were people freaking out, but um, yeah. I was, Not you. You were stone cold. Just. I was just, yeah. Well, I didn't know. <laughs> like, I guess I would be a little more freaked out if I knew. Um, but like when we landed, it was really funny because the pilot uh, got on the, you know, over the, the speaker and was like, did anyone else see how big that bird was? It's like, you're the pilot. You're not supposed to say stuff like that. That's not calming. Yeah, right. Exactly. But, Boy, yeah, I can't well. believe we're not dead. <laughs> yeah, I have like this really bad like travel curse. It took me 53 hours to get to PS ConfiU because of like so many flight problems and stuff like that. I got trapped oh, no. in LA, got trapped in Heathrow. Um, we missed our flight out of here because it was too windy. <laughs> so I thought a couple months before that, you also like, did your car have issues too? Oh, right. Yeah. Our car broke down in Vegas. It's a nine hour drive from here to Vegas. And so we, we drove back because all our stuff was in the car and I was going to drive back and pick it up. So then I drove back to pick it up after it was fixed and then it wasn't fixed. So then they're like, oh, you're going to have to come back later. I'm like, no. Because like um, the, the highway you drive between our home. house and there is called the loneliest highway in America. It's so boring. So is, you didn't go down I-15 or is it? Uh, no, I don't even remember. Like through Ely, Nevada is like the – Ely, Nevada is the uh, most isolated uh, charging station in the United States. <laughs> But yeah, I actually stayed in Ely. It just feels like maybe the universe is saying stay home. A I while. know. Yeah, they're like, keep working on your PowerShell <laughs> Universal. <laughs> we, we need more features. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's Highway 93, loneliest nice. highway in the United States. Yeah, very boring. <laughs> would, not, would not recommend. We ended up just selling the car to the dealership. But uh, used cars were so expensive or like so hot at the time that we almost got what we paid for. And it was like six years old. So. That's, a great, that's a great deal then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, we're definitely getting rid of this car. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize how bad things were until I started getting like the dealership where I bought my car. I started uh -huh. calling me. He's like, hey, do you want to sell your truck? I'm like, no, I want to sell my truck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
we've been one car household since then, but I think once we move this, I mean, we're moving about two weeks, uh, we're gonna have to find another car. So. so you said you went to the EU conference as well. Did you also, did you give a talk there as well? Or is that just more you got to attend and experience it? Uh, I gave two talks there. Um, one was partial universal desktop. So we actually have like a, a desktop version of PowerShell Universal where it actually runs as a desktop app. And be, because of that, like you have, we've added like some features around like uh, file associations or like um, we have, let's see, file associations, protocol handlers. You can like hook into like system events, like WMI persistent events and like all those things like hook into PowerShell Universal scripts. So like, for example, you could double click a .ps3 file, and since it's associated with the file association you created in the desktop version, it'll launch that script. So you can do whatever you want with that PS1 or PS3 file. Um, so I did a talk on that, and then I did like a general um, PowerShell Universal dashboard deep dive. So I went into a whole bunch of like, uh, like examples of PowerShell Universal. I even got into like custom components and that kind of thing, uh, or Universal dashboard. So. I just focused just on the dashboard part for that one. So, yeah, it was a good conference overall, though. So I've heard glowing things. We can't get anyone to uh, give a definitive on which one's better, and no, oh, no, one, no one wants to make make the uh, community angry by making a claim. <laughs> I uh, yeah, that's a hard one. I don't know. I I appreciated going to Europe. Uh, that was fun. So I think I'm like partial to that just because it's more exciting. I feel like I've gone to Seattle a lot, but. Um, I think they're both great conferences. The content's great. The attendance is great. So um, if you had an opportunity to go to either one, I would recommend. Yeah, we've been watching a lot of reality TV around these parts. So we've seen <laughs> that drama sells. So we're just trying to really manufacture some some riffs. In the oh, community. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start my own conference. I don't like either of them. <laughs> one thing um, that everyone agrees on, that no one's afraid to say it is the alcohol is a lot better at the uh, Europe conference. Mm. Depends what I don't know. I like that's a hard one. I kind of think the Seattle one is better because the alcohol in or the beer in Austria was very light, and I'm on a heavy IPA guy. My stomach hurt after a while. Like, gotta drink so many beers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm a Scotch guy, so oh uh, yeah, okay, there you go. I, yeah, I never feel up well, when I drink. That's the thing. In Europe, getting uh, the liquor tax is a lot lower. So. <laughs> I believe a congratulations is in order for Mr. Decade of Microsoft MVP. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Makes year 10 somehow. <laughs> that is yeah, funny. Been since 2011. 20, yeah, I think 2011 was my first year. They 2012. But uh, yeah, thank you. It's been crazy. I really hope they bring back the MVP summit in uh, person. <laughs> that was always my favorite part of the whole thing. So, I've heard a lot of people saying, I can't wait to see everybody at summit or hoping that it would happen. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, it seems like events are starting to happen again, but we haven't got any notification that it's actually going to happen in person. Um, I just I, I think online conferences just not, are not nearly the same. So. I don't know how you guys feel about that. No, it's yeah. uh, the the PowerShell Summit that was online was still good. Like it, it, mm -hmm. it was nice for doing my daily write up of the sessions I was able to attend. I enjoyed that, but it's just it's not the same. And missing the ability just to get caught up in in the hallway and everything is you can't duplicate that. Yeah, totally. And that's definitely what I miss. I mean. Um, Sometimes I find myself like stuck in the hallway, missing sessions just because I'm talking to someone like about stuff. And I, I love that. I love getting on a nerd tangent. <laughs> so those nerd tangents are where it's at. Mm -hmm. I, totally. I've gotten my fix a little bit uh, from user groups recently. Okay. Um, but it's there's something special about those events when you just the vibe is right. Everybody's interested in the same thing. They're interested in talking about it. It's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like I, you know, sometimes you like go into stuff like that, like as a speaker, like, oh, I know a lot. And then you like, you talk to anyone there and you're like, okay, I don't know anything. <laughs> so it's uh, one of like the, the talk where they ask uh, who has imposter syndrome. And I think 
maybe one one or two people didn't raise their hand like the entire it's just a convention full of people that don't think they belong <laughs> yeah i know it's really crazy um yeah I, people are just you know either we have a common bond but everybody's using it differently you know in different ways and that's why it's awesome to i don't know that's why i like if i am like going back and forth on a customer like case i'm just like all right we got to sit down on this call and like hash out what's going on here because i just learned so much just by sitting down and like talking it out like that so yeah i'm really digging the conferences being back i am a little gun shy on travel now so i'll see which my next <laughs> one is <laughs> you, you've had it's got all uh clear, clear smooth sailing from here on out maybe, yeah, maybe sailing right. is how you got to do it if you can't sail to it don't go <laughs> exactly well right now i live in the desert so it's gonna be <laughs> It's be rough. Yeah, <laughs> the boat's gonna be going real slow at first. We are What's, moving back to the Midwest though uh, in about two weeks, so I can hop on the Great Lakes and take a boat from there. What's the next conference you're going to? I don't know yet. I have not planned that. Um, I know there is uh, the Automation Summit in Nashville. Right, is coming up in mm -hmm. October or November, but um with our moving and everything like that i was like all right i'm gonna take it easy from now on for the rest of the summer and not plan anything yet um so i'm not gonna be going to that one but i'd like to in the future so i haven't quite started looking yet you guys have anything in mind that you're going to be going to uh well there, there's some I'd, I'd like to go to but it's more of a, a company permission more than yeah, okay yeah it, if, if they if they get me free reign i'll show up to all of them <laughs> Every time PowerShell's happening, I'll be there. But yeah, right. Cool. Yeah, I hope to find some more local stuff. Well, it'll be in Madison, Wisconsin. Actually, I had a Madison, Wisconsin PowerShell group, I don't know, a decade ago, but I haven't looked to see if anyone has revitalized that. Are you are you interested in speaking in uh at more user groups? Yeah, I would do user group talks. So if you wanna get <laughs> find a speaker for your user didn't we, didn't we promise not to put the hard sell after we <laughs> <laughs> we're always scheming okay yeah no, that's fine <laughs> yeah i'm always down for a user group i like uh sometimes i feel like uh when you're going to a conference there's a lot of pressure there and i like the informality of like a user group sometimes where you're like all right i just messed everything up <laughs> sort of thing so well, uh, i did yeah i love love to give a talk there we, we did our first user group for Salt Lake and I didn't have the ability to enable the chat for those that are remote and I couldn't record it. So it went, it went great. <laughs> cool. The speaker was fantastic. Yeah. You just have to take my word for it because I didn't record it, but he was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, right. Cool. Well, yeah, you, you'll iron all that out eventually, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You got to do it to learn. You know, we always right. learn from our missteps. Um, Man, I got to wonder, what's the journey been like? Because you've kind of stumbled upon, you know, a whole kind of new thing. You know, you mentioned starting off working for a company, developing PowerShell tools, and then one thing leads to another. You develop something that resonates with people. And yeah, how's that been? Um, It has been stressful, <laughs> but it has been fun. I think uh, when I decided to make it my own business is when it became kind of stressful. And it was like my livelihood was, you know, tied to this um but I, I you know my wife's been real supportive of it and that kind of thing so that makes it easier and uh yeah so i think the the journey itself has been really rewarding um i am glad that i took this leap and it like allows me a lot of freedom in both like creativity uh in terms of what i'm building it really like puts me face to face with a lot of customers so like it's cool because then, you know, I'm building all these relationships with these people and um, even people that like they leave a company, their new company doesn't have PowerShell Universal, they'll still reach out and just say hi and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so the journey has been interesting. And I think finally I've like kind of hit a point where I'm starting to uh, feel comfortable with the organization. I've started to kind of hire some part-time people to help me out with um things like, you know, invoicing and quoting and support and that kind of stuff. So that's taken a load off my shoulders because, you know, I'd wake up every morning like, oh my God, I got to do 10 quotes because I didn't do anything or to do quotes all week or whatever, you know? Um, so it's been nice 
um, to kind of learn about business and then uh, push off some of the business stuff on someone else. Um, yeah, and I've still maintained like a lot of my uh, time coding. So uh, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to you know code and sell my software. And when I really got into it, I was like, wow, there's a lot of like marketing and legal and you know businessy stuff. Um, but yeah, I think. I've learned that you got to ask for help. So uh, the, the business side of running a business sucks. You just want to do the coding. Yeah. Right. I know. And I know there's some people that just love the business, you know, and they, they are good at sell, selling and they're good at marketing and they don't mind doing some of that stuff, but I don't know. <laughs> Not me. Have you found it to be more challenging to kind of, uh, figure out all those business aspects at times. Cause I imagine like you're saying, there's a lot to that. And I don't think it sounded like you went to school for that. So it sounds mm -hmm. like you might've had to like learn a lot kind of by doing. Um, yeah, no, it, it has been a trial by fire for sure. Um, you know, it's just like when you walk into like a tech shop and like people are just saying all these things that make no sense. And you're going back to your desk and Googling it all the time. It was like, I don't know what that acronym is, or I don't know what that is. And you know, it the exact same thing, you know, people would be asking me for like, I need a net 30 quote. And then I need to like do this and that and that, and like, what the heck is this person talking about? You know? So I've learned a lot, um, from that. Uh, yeah. And then there's just things like, you know, taxes and pricing and like figuring out like, you know, forecasting your expenses and that kind of stuff. It's just, um, I just went into this like, ah, let's make some money and it'll be fine. <laughs> you know? And, uh, yeah. Then that's what makes it really stressful. And you're like, wait a second. <laughs> so I think now that I have some understanding about how it all works, well, some basic understanding of how it all works. Uh, I like that approach better. though. Just the, I'll make some money. It'll be fine. That means in your mind, it was already successful. It was always going to be successful. Uh-huh. Yeah. Everything else was just extra. I like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went in a little too cocky, I think, but, um, it's yeah. only too cocky if it didn't work out. Yeah. All right. That's true. Well, and the thing is, is I, when going into this, I didn't just jump in, I didn't just quit my job and then like, all right, I'm going to quit my job. And now I'm going to start writing PowerShell universal. It was, I have a full-time job and now I'm going to start another full-time job at the same time. So then I started, you know, building a product, building the company out to be like a little more of a professional organization. And once I hit revenue that I was comfortable with, um, quitting my full-time job, that's when I, I, I made the leap. Um, so I know a lot of people don't have that luxury. Um, like I said, I'm obsessed and I don't have kids. So, uh, it made it a lot easier to kind of like take, take my free time, um, and work on my business after work. So, um, earlier when you were mentioning conferences, I forgot to tell you, yeah, I will be at the Automation Summit December 6th through the 8th, automationsummit.org. Oh, okay. So just a plug. <laughs> right, sweet. That's that. the one in Nashville, right? It's in Nashville? Yeah. Yeah. Nashville, okay. Tennessee. Cool. I didn't realize it was so late. Maybe I will go. But at cool. that point, you're already halfway there after the move. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's going to be cold in Wisconsin. I better, might as well head south. I don't know if it's warm in Nashville in December. I'm not sure, but it's nice. It's nice. Yeah. Well, I'll probably be inside anyways, listening to a PowerShell talk. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm. So you said MVP for 10 years. Uh -huh. How did you get started? Like, cause I don't think universal has been around for that long. So like, how did you initially, was it, was it with PowerShell pro tools is when you started kind of getting engaged with the community and doing MVP worthy stuff or how'd that uh, go? Well, it was primarily with yeah PowerShell tools, original studio. It was just open source. So that is kind of what got me in the door. And then, you know, I started getting on some blogs and blogging a little bit um, around that time. And then, um, I worked with a guy that was an MVP. He was actually an MVP in PowerShell as well, uh, Dmitry Saknovic. And he um, was the guy that was on the Power GUI team and that kind of thing. So he was involved in that. And he approached me and was like, do you want to write a book? This company wants me to write a book, but I don't want to write a book. 
And I was like, okay. And I was like, I don't really know PowerShell that well, but I'll write a book about PowerShell. <laughs> so I wrote, I wrote a book on PowerShell 3 when it came out. And it was just kind of like an overview of some of the new features. Um, don't read it. It's horrible. But it was like a feather in my cap for um, kind of getting into the, you know, the MVP space because people saw that I was doing that, that I was doing PowerShell tools for Riddle Studio. Um, then I really started blogging after that. And that's when I first uh, got my first MVP. And then from there, it's kind of like snowballed. Like um, I started doing more and more and more stuff with PowerShell. Um, like I said, I worked with Microsoft and PowerShell tools for Visual Studio. So obviously, um, I, you know, I was like in the face of the team at that point in time because I was like working with them. Um, funny story about that. They actually, uh, they were like, oh, we, we just want to hire you to work on this. So I flew out to Seattle and I had an interview with the team and then they didn't give me the job. <laughs> so I think it was probably better, but <laughs> it was just kind of a funny thing. I was like, really? <laughs> you know? Like I went through these coding interviews and they're like, nah, we don't need you. So I was a little sour after that for a while. But um, I think what was happening was that team was actually downsizing. I'm not sure if those guys are even, they're, they're not the same PowerShell team that's there now. And it wasn't even the PowerShell team that was hiring. It was the Azure team. So it was, uh, it was just kind of a funny, uh, funny thing to like, uh, you know, work on this thing for free. And then they're like, oh yeah, I'll give you a job. And then it's like, no, we're not going to give you this job. <laughs> so. We've seen your work and it's excellent, but what you showed us here. Yeah. All right. This is horrible. <laughs> yeah. So after that, I was like, I'm never doing interviews ever again. I'm just going to start my own company. <laughs> but that's not true. I continued to work in, um, I was working at Dell at the time and just still um, plugging away at like, uh, you know, my blog and PowerShell tools. And at that time, um, PowerShell tools, I think it was, it had like 10 million installs or something like that. So it was one of those things where I was riding that for like two or three years because it was just like, I put that on my MVP profile and everyone's just like, oh yeah, you can continue to be an MVP, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, but like I said, recently I've been more YouTube and that kind of thing. Um, Still blogging here and there, but I, I kind of like the video format. It's fun. I don't know. It takes a little work editing, but it also it plays to my strengths a little bit more of rambling. So I have really enjoyed your YouTube content, and I think it definitely fills a nice place. Um, cool. You had a video which I enjoyed, which was like creating a cryptocurrency, how to create your own. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Uh, it's funny. I found it that walkthrough on Reddit and I was like, I'm making my own cryptocurrency. This is great. Uh, so I was like, I got to make a YouTube video of this. So yeah, everybody invest in Adam coin. <laughs> I think, uh, it, it's like, uh, the market cap is something like 20, $20 or something like that. <laughs> really? Wow. People are trading your, no, no, it was my $20. I don't think anyone's trading. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, unless you can give me Ponzi scheme levels of guarantee. On the yeah, right. I got no, I got no Ponzi scheme. <laughs> well, it was funny. People are like uh, hitting me up on Twitter, like, "When's the airdrop? When's the airdrop?" Like, <laughs> I had to like Google what an airdrop was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sensing a theme. You just dive headlong into massive projects, and then as people yell words at you, you're like, "I can learn that." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yep. That's how I go. Squirrel. <laughs> yeah. Um, what kind of inspired you to start with the YouTube thing or where, why did you start? Because I know a lot of people think about doing YouTube one day or like, hey, I maybe one, but why'd you pull the trigger and start doing it? I don't know. That's a really good question. I don't even really remember my first YouTube videos. I know they're really bad and I had a horrible microphone so you could like hardly hear me. But I started, I, I want to say I really started doing it was for like kind of marketing universal dashboard and PowerShell universal. But then I was like, I kind of want to just like talk about random tech stuff. You know, I do a lot of PowerShell stuff, some C sharp stuff and that kind of thing. But anytime I was coming across something cool, I was like, I should record a YouTube video about this. And, um, it kind of like f filled that like void of blogging that I was doing for a while. Um, and the other thing that it fills for me is the, what I used to do was like re release PowerShell Universal Dashboard Universal over and over again all the time. Now I can release YouTube videos and there's a lot less, um, you know, 
there's a lot less angry customers and that kind of thing. Uh, if I put out a bad YouTube video, it's fine, you know, whatever. Um, and if I put out a good one, you know, that's cool. Um, but yeah, the, the ability or the, the, um, kind of that dopamine hit of like releasing something I've created is like important to me. So that's why I think that's one of the big reasons I kind of started really getting into it. 3,000 subscribers. We have ourselves an influencer over here. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I can't wait to get my little YouTube plaque. Put it up behind me for... Uh... Oh, then I can start doing that thing where, I don't know. I don't know if you guys do this, where you like have some, you make some weird thing for your uh, title slide. Oh, the, the thumbnail image? It has like, I don't know, the YouTube thing now. The the secret is, is to have a, a paid team behind you. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can do all that stuff. Yeah. Now I just uh, record and edit all my videos. So yeah, we started doing uh, like a preview video of things we're going to talk about in live streams. So oh, cool. We're talking okay. about that. that seems to be a pretty pretty. Successful. I don't know if you do live streams or if it's all videos to throw up there, but I've done a couple. I don't know. I think. I never can really get myself together to like schedule something like that. But yeah, I've done a couple. I don't know. I, it's just not my uh, medium. I think it's it's different. hard enough to create content. It's important to like find what works for you. And if that's sustainable, awesome. Because right. that type of thing can be really hard to sustain, especially if you're, you know, adding things to make it a little bit more complex. Mm -hmm. But and I'm always like a little piggy, like most of the time I'm working on stuff that's like my own IP. And I'm like, I could like have a YouTube video about this. Who cares if like people see my code, but at the same time, I'm like, uh, I don't know. So, right. Yeah. I, that makes but, sense. Yeah. And that's where I just record a YouTube video of me messing with some open source thing. And, um, yeah. Do a bunch what of is PS Poly? PS Poly. Uh, so Poly is a C sharp library and it's like, it is built for like resiliency kind of. So like you have things like retries and um, I don't know, uh, rate limiting and um, all these different kind of mechanisms like that, like caching. Um, and I don't know how I ran into poly. I was looking at using it for PowerShell universal for some reason. And I was like, wow, there's like no PowerShell module around this. So I put, built a PowerShell module around PS poly or poly and call it PS poly. And what you can do is you can like set up, they call them poly policies and a policy <laughs> being like retries. And you can do things like um, retries with delays. So it could like get the delays could get longer, the more it has to retry um, as these things called circuit breakers, where it will attempt to do something a bunch of times. And if it fails after like five attempts, it'll just no longer attempt to do it. And it'll like wait like 30 seconds and then it might attempt to do it again. Um, and then you can combine the policies together. So you could have like a retry with a circuit breaker and do some caching sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it's a cool module. I think, um, I did like a lightning talk at PSConf EU about it and people are pretty stoked about using that in their scripts and that kind of thing. So a policy or a policy, uh, I should, I should have called it a policy. Now I feel like I, uh, <laughs> I missed an opportunity there. I think the commandlet's poly policy, but it could have just been a policy. This is why you pay for a marketing team right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what? I'm open to pull requests. You can put some aliases in. <laughs> <laughs> Question. So when you, because I noticed there's this kind of trend where you'll work on something and end up creating a really useful tool out of it as you're going through and kind of learning it. Um, what's that process like for you? Is it like, like, are you just always kind of looking for like, hey, how can I make this into a solution I don't need to like recreate again? Or, you know, because um, I'm thinking about the Selenium solution you created, mm -hmm. um, thinking about this. Yeah, I think a lot of those things, I run across them. Sometimes like the poly thing, like I ended up not using it in PowerShell Universal. So I was like, I just think this is cool and we should have a PowerShell module around this. And then I just, I don't know, I... I followed the squirrel and built that module sort of thing. And I was like, okay, I'm going to build a cool module. I'm going to make a YouTube video out of this. And it was just, just that. I just wanted to kind of like not work on PowerShell Universal or something or any like, you know, day job kind of stuff. Um, but something like Selenium that like evolved. So I started out 
with Selenium. And I was like, I'm going to build some like functions over the top of this. And then I was like building more and more functions. Like, I'm just going to like pull this out. Cause it was actually part of the PowerShell universal dashboard repo. I'm like, I'm going to pull this out as its own module. Other people could use this. So that kind of evolved as part of like my day-to-day thing. But I think a lot of things, like a lot of the little tools like poly and that kind of thing, um, typically are me like just avoiding work <laughs> for a little while. So, yeah. I don't know. Hearing everything you have on your plate and it's all self-imposed, like no one's making you do this stuff, makes me exhausted just hearing about it. You are <laughs> an extremely busy person. Yeah, I like it that way, though. I think uh, I don't do well when I'm bored. So I always I make a lot of work for myself. I'm currently training for a half Iron Man now, too. So. Yeah, I was going to say the name of your company is Iron Man Software. Is that where the mm-hmm. Iron Man comes from? Yep. Yeah. I Right after I finished my first Iron Man is when I started the company. So uh, that's why that came from. How did you get started with those? Because those are pretty intense. What is an Iron Man? Let's see. I Yeah, what is it? Just for people who don't know. Okay, yeah, it's a triathlon. Uh, it's a 2.4-mile swim, followed by a 112-mile bike ride, and then uh, a marathon, so 26.2 miles. So that's a full Ironman. I've done two of those. Um, I got into that. I was actually dating a girl that was doing it, and then I started training, and then we broke up, and I did it to Spider. So That's a good um, reason to do stuff. Yeah. So then I got into it though, after that I was, and, uh, um, my wife is now, uh, she's a pretty avid athlete and although she doesn't do, um, triathlons like this, she will kick my ass in biking any day. So, uh, but yeah, um, it just sounds like so the question? I lost my train of thought. Well, the Ironman, just hearing everything in there. Cause oh, yeah. back in high school, I ran cross country and 5k was a lot. I can't imagine. <laughs> What you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's a different kind of exercise for sure. Like, you know, it's all about like me, you know, obviously the training is important. It's like your training load is very, very high. And then um, it's all about like maintaining your pace and not overdoing it because you're out there for a long time. I think my first Ironman took me like 15 and a half hours or something like that. So, um, well, yeah. oh my Mine, gosh, mine's ongoing. So I've been going for 38 years and completed <laughs> yeah, that long <right>. distance. <laughs> you just got that timer you're always looking at, like, all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not getting back in the water, so I don't see myself completing this. Yeah, right. Well, that was, I didn't know how to swim when I uh, signed up for an Ironman. Not like, not swim, swim, but like swim, like, like I don't know, like a competitive swimmer would swim. Like, yeah, I could like doggy paddle or whatever. So I had to learn how to swim during my first Ironman training so um yeah so if you you know want to get into an iron man just sign up and then you can start going but yeah i'm only doing a half iron man this time which is half of everything uh i just said before but you're barely biking 60 miles then what's the point <laughs> yeah all right exactly what a wuss <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have to uh, rename the company to Half Iron Man Software. <laughs> I wonder how what that impact would have on your on sales. Like half Half Iron Man, that doesn't sound nearly as impressive. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Like wow, this company half asses everything. <laughs> now there's a place I'd work. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. We do twenty hour weeks. No benefits though. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm just, uh, yeah, like I said, I have to keep busy. So I always find new ways to challenge myself or yeah, overwhelm myself, I guess. Well, I mean, it is, it, it, it's an impressive, like just everything on your plate looking at it. Cause all the things you're talking about and all of it, you've like dove in full and done a lot of work into it. So it's not like you're just taking on a bunch of projects as you're doing a, a extreme amount of work in a whole bunch of projects. And it's, it's impressive to see. I, I wonder how you manage the the time with, with the, that one. Like, cause it feels like there's just going to be so many things. How do you prioritize what you're going to do in a day? Uh, I have really started to like structure my days a lot more. I think it's like good for me to be like, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, you know? Um, like today it's like, I got a customer call and then I'm going to work for a little while. Then I'm going to take the dog for a walk. Then I'm going to like, uh, you know, I have another customer call and then I'm gonna take the dog for, 
his lunch walk and then I'm going to do this podcast. And then after that, I'm, you know, so like that kind of thing is like really important for me to like stick to that schedule. And that like allows me to achieve a lot more, um, rather than like, if I don't have a schedule, I'm like, I'm on Reddit, you know, <laughs> or like, I want to play, you know, video games for a little while. I'm like, Oh, I'm bored of this video game and watch a movie. So, um, I was recently diagnosed with ADHD and, uh, I've started taking medication for it. Um, which it allows me to kind of focus on the important things a little more. I still think I was like, I was very like, um, you know, productive before it's just like, I was kind of all over the place and now it's a little more structured. So, uh, you mentioned yeah. writing things down, uh, like your daily schedule. Where do you write that down? Do you have like paper? Uh, do you have a system? Yeah. I have a, an app called Todoist that I like. Um, it's just super simple. You know, uh, you can, do like your daily thing. You can set when it's due. We can put it per day. You can do like subtasks and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I like it just cause it's like very basic. I don't want anything that's like too crazy. Um, yeah. So I just do that and you know, you tick off a thing and it's like, Boo, good job. You know? like, <laughs> dopamine. Like, yeah. Dopamine hit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Skinner box for productivity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you put things on there just to like check them off. Right. Like woke up, <laughs> made breakfast. Well, I've used one called a sauna, and sometimes if you check off a task, you get a unicorn running on a rainbow, and that feels pretty good. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Sometimes you don't, though. What? So, yeah, no, it's you, that's why you got to complete more tasks. You do. You want. You need that unicorn. Uh, <laughs> I recently turned on. There's a gamification setting for Zoho, like uh, which is our like ticketing system, and it does the same thing now. Like you'll like close a couple tickets and it's like only three more tickets to achieve this like you know ticket closer thing it's like i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing to have on in here a lot of your mindset in the stuff you had about busy is similar to uh josh stephanie who we interviewed a little, a little bit ago it, it feels like uh, people they get that, that need to be doing something they they seem to fall into the same process of really fine-tuning and so they fill out their day so there's no there's no lulls except for, you know, when they have scheduled the lull. And I, I don't know. It just, it just, it just feels yeah. like uh, highly productive people. Maybe it's, maybe there's, it's a trend that uh, maybe that's why I'm not productive. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know what I, it's almost like I feel guilty if I'm just like sitting around, but if I, like you said, if I scheduled that sitting around, like tonight I'm going to a concert, for example, like I scheduled that and I won't feel guilty while I'm there. Um, but it's not like I'm not being lazy or, you know, like avoiding something. It's like, I'm, I'm there because I plan to be there kind of thing. So I think, I don't know, whatever is just wrong with my brain. That's what tells me like when I'm lazy, I feel really like bad about it. So I think that writing things down like that can also just help take the decision-making away because it can mm -hmm. be really hard to do work and then make decisions and then switch to doing work and then switch to, you know, if you can kind of in the beginning of your day, kind of get that thing sorted, it's a lot easier to have your day go according to plan. Right. And I find myself getting stuff done a lot quicker because I feel like I can get really distracted if I don't have it planned sort of thing. So if I have those, you know, five tasks that I want to do, I'm just gonna be like, boom, 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 boom. Um, rather than like do something, like I said, go on Reddit, walk around the house for some reason, <laughs> do the next thing. So, um, yeah, I agree. What are some of your favorite subreddits? PowerShell, um, obviously. Uh, PowerShell, yeah, like going on there. Um, let's see. I like Wall Street Bets because I just like seeing like the mayhem <laughs> that is Wall Street Bets. Like I, it's not like I go there like to get stock advice or anything, but it's just like hilarious to me. So um, was was Wall Street Bets something that was going on before all the, uh, the GameSpot? GameSpot, right? That's where it like really took off was the GameStop and the AMC stuff. Like before that, it was a thing. I think I was even subscribed to it before that, um, where these guys were making these crazy, you know. <laughs> on margin stock picks and option calls and stuff like that, where they're, you know, they're getting themselves millions of dollars worth of debt. But um, yeah, GameStop and AMC is where that really took off. Um, but they're still doing it. It's just so crazy to see like the amount of money that they'll make and then they'll lose. You know, it's like, I would have just retired at the top, you know, but 
Oh yeah, I have I have a number. I don't care what's going on. If I hit that number, I'm done. So yeah, yeah. if I did that and I ever hit strong like from Wall Street, but I'm like, well, it looks like about yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So let's see other subreddits I like. Um, I'm I don't know. I I feel like this is more like torturing myself, but I like like ones like collapse and stuff like that. Just it's interesting to like you know read about like the crazy ways that you know our world could collapse <laughs> maybe a little dark but <laughs> uh, there's some dark stuff on reddit i asked yeah. the question i deal with the results <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've tried to get rid of some of the ones that are like you know I, I feel like there's a lot of like time suck ones that you can definitely get get down like even like i've had to like get uh unsubscribe from ask reddit because it's like the same 10 questions over and over again and it's like what what is something that you want girls to know that guys think or something like if I ever see that question again, like, ah, yeah, it's been interesting to see the way that people reply in over the years, you know, how, at least from my observations, people are being a little bit more nuanced, um, Mm -hmm. slightly, not always, but like, there's a lot more things where I read it and I'm like, Oh, that's not totally dysfunctional communication. They're actually like attempting to listen to the other person. Um, Mm -hmm. There is like some good discussion that goes on in some subreddits and that kind of thing. So it, like occasionally I'll just be like blown away. Like, I don't know. I think they've like asked science or like some of those that were, you know, you get like this person that is like an expert in their field explaining something um, that you just didn't know about. That's where I can really waste some time. To answer on that one, do they have to have a peer reviewed journal? Like proof of science. I don't know. It's no. always really funny because there is like even legal advice. Like a lot of times they're like, I'm a lawyer, but this is not legal advice. They'll just write at the top of their comment. That's how you know they're a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. They're covering their own butt. <laughs> well, that one I always felt weird because it's a national thing or even a global thing for I'm a lawyer, but the laws vary so much. Like I, I don't care what a lawyer from Massachusetts has to say about my actions in Utah, except for like the, the clearly defined ones. Like there, there's just too much, too much difference. Oh, right. Exactly. So I, I'm sure you have to like pass the bar in each state, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So when you, so you mentioned having a to-do list for your day, but with these different tasks that you have in your day, like whether it be a new feature, do you ever plan out the different steps you're going to need to take? Like, okay, we're going to need to write the testing and then we're going to need to do the actual blah, blah, blah. Like, do you ever separate that? Or do you just kind of like, okay, here's my dedicated time to work on this feature. Let's go. Uh, usually it's the latter. I, I'm like, I'm going to do, yeah, this feature. And um, I don't know. I, I allow myself to like fudge the time to, you know, like um, I don't, you know, if it takes me longer, or if it, you know, I've had stuff that takes me days when I thought it was going to take me like a morning, that kind of thing. Um, but I'm really determined, like once I like kind of slate that in to get it done, I'm going to get it done, even if it takes me, you know, a couple days. Um, so I usually don't break the task down quite that much. Um, it's usually just, I need to do this, 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 and this, um, as like single, you know, to do's, I guess. There are certain things where like, I have like these like long running tasks that, the task itself is like a larger goal that I want to accomplish that has a bunch of subtasks, but the subtasks are like a day's worth of work. So that's kind of where I try to focus it is like, if it takes more than a day, then I'll probably break it down. But if it's just, you know, like for example, like implementing a feature or um, that kind of thing, potentially it would just be a one task. So. Cool. It's interesting hearing how different people do things and kind of the method that works for them. Cause it is important for to recognize that not everyone works the same. So um, mm-hmm. find what works for you, find the nuggets that you hear in other people's descriptions that works for them and try it out and see what works. Yeah. And definitely. And I, I don't remember who recommended a to do list to me, but um, that has been a game changer for me, you know? Um, even just like little stuff, not even, you know, just work related, just everything. So. Yeah. I found myself really benefiting from having documentation for my life, whether it be like how certain accounts are configured and how whatever, uh, or to like plans for the house long-term instead of just having it be a conversation like, okay, 
actually getting on paper. Because, you know, in my mind, I can think about things for a lot and think some interesting stuff um, and just think in circles. And it's really fun. But if I don't write it down, I'll never make progress on it. Yeah, exactly. No, same way. I'm excited for, I have like this very busy summer right now and I'm excited for that to-do list to be done. (laughs) So it is the, the, the end of it is when we move to Madison. So we're getting close, but a move is not a small, not a small thing, but that means you're about to find out how much crap you've accumulated that you don't need. Oh yeah. Well, we have already done a huge purge because we sold our house. Um, we've actually already closed on it. We're actually renting it back from the people that, uh, we sold it to. And, um, yeah, so we did a big purge and we got rid of a lot of stuff, but now we're starting to pack it and we're like, I thought we got rid of stuff, you know, it's like, Oh my God. So, but I'm never getting rid of my cord box. Sorry. How big is it? Cords. Could you fit inside your cord box or is it like smaller than that? No, I could definitely fit inside my cord box. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big so it's box. a big old box. Nice. And it's like um, an entire, it's like a nest. It's not like they're like nicely organized. I probably could have a smaller cord box if it wasn't just a big like ball. So. Some zip ties. Yeah. Clean it right. up. But that's going to take a lot of hours. Management. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. You're going to put, you're going to put like J channels into your cord box. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it was Jeff Hicks. I saw him at a conference once, I'm pretty sure, where he showed up to the conference and he had this thing for his cords in his backpack. It was like the most organized thing I've ever seen. And it was just like each one of his like lightning cables or like USBs were all like neatly in there and it was all Velcro and stuff. And like when I go on a trip and I have my backpack, I'm just like shoving cords in there. (laughs) Like never could find anything. I was like, wow, I should really get one of those. At the end of the day, you both have all the cords you need, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. And you know who to ask now if you uh, misplace a couple. Mm-hmm. Jeff Hicks got your back. Right. <laughs> we like to refer to him as friend of the show, Jeff Hicks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes us feel very important. <laughs> Good. Yep. And we appreciate you coming by. It was awesome to talk about all the stuff you've been working on as well as your process by going about it i think that's pretty fascinating uh, but it's time for the absolute highlight of the show you're about to watch a master class in shilling <laughs> from our own andrew paul oh my gosh i guess that's me today um <laughs> friendly folks out there kind listeners if you've enjoyed this episode if you've made it this far i mean shucks it's been uh, over an hour of some great conversation covering powershell PowerShell Universal, developers, starting businesses, creating PowerShell stuff, all the awesome things you learn along the way. If you've listened this far and gotten some value out of it, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. Thank you so much, beloved listeners. And, but wait, there's more. There's more. If you have feedback or if you want to tell us something, send us a photo of your cat. You can email us, PowerShell at PDQ.com. Or we're in the future too. Over 200 followers on the Twitter. Hit us up at PowerShell Pod <laughs> and um, say hello. Let us know what you're working on. Give us some feedback. Is there something you'd like us to cover? Is there somebody you'd like to see on? Um, we are always open to feedback and always trying to learn and get better. Thank you so much to Adam for joining us. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the PowerShell Podcast with your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plaw. Blah, 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 blah. The PowerShell Podcast is a production of PDQ.com.